Parental guidance is recommended because this episode has mature topics and strong language. Here are some moments you can look forward to during this episode of Book Interrupted. Yeah. Sex. Ted. Yeah. So uh, we got options. Just saying. What was the happiness was like a bullet in the back? I have a good enough life. So why the fuck do I have this gun barrel pointed at myself? He is super sensitive. He cries at more movies than I do. She says it's about breaking out of whatever prison you've allowed yourself to live in. Welcome to the club, Clarissa. Like I already knew. (laughs) This whole process, if we keep reading books like this, is going to end in like divorced women's book club. Disrupted. Mind, body, and soul. Inspiration is with God. And we're going to talk it out on Book Interrupted. Welcome to Book Interrupted, a book club for busy people to connect and one that celebrates life's interruptions. Hi, I'm Sarah. I started Book Interrupted and asked the closest people to me to be part of it. First, I asked my sister. Hi, I'm Meredith, the sister. My first friend. Hi, I'm Kim, the first friend. My old roommate. Hi, I'm Lindsay, the old roommate. My high school friend. Hi, I'm Kara, the high school friend. My good friend and Kara's sister. That's me. Hi, I'm Leah, Sarah's friend, Kara's sister, and the final member of Book Interrupted. If you'd like to join along, this book cycle is from January 3rd to February 7th. It's Sarah's book cycle, which is mine. And the book we're reading is Women Who Run With the Wolves by Clarissa Picola Estes, PhD. Through storytelling, this book dives into the wild woman archetype and how it can be restored. If you'd like more information about Book Interrupted and our current book cycle, please go to www.bookinterrupted.com. Let's listen in to this episode's group discussion. And what I found is that some people who have read the book with me adore the book as much as I do. And then I found also on social media and from you guys (laughs) that some people just couldn't get into it. Well, you can tell from what uh, you've seen from all of us or we've been talking behind the scenes before before recording this that all of us have very differing opinions. So that'll be interesting to see how everybody responds to this as well, depending on our, you know, our backgrounds and also, you know, where we are and who we are and when, when this time is for this book, which is interesting. No, absolutely. I think you're so right, Lindsay. Like it really, this is a book that I think is somewhat dependent on timing. I don't think it's for a reader of any time. I think as a reader, you know, when it's your time to crack open that book. And yeah, equally like what you were sharing, it'll be interesting to see how our opinions either stay the same or change as the duration of the book cycle goes, you know? So I think that will also be interesting, not only just our different ideas about the book, but to see like, you know, what happens along the way. I think also with the book, I think it depends if those first stories really hook you. Because the very first story, the Bluebeard story, 
completely hooked me and I could relate to different people in my life and that kind of thing. And I think that maybe as you go through the book, there is lots of repetitive parts, but I think if there's the actual story hooks you, you tend to read more of her like analyzing the different parts than if you get to a couple stories in a row that are, you just don't feel, then it might make you drop off. I agree completely because when we spoke earlier, we kind of alluded to the intro. I wasn't actually even at the first story yet. I was in that introductory extensive intro of adjective, what I describe as adjective hell, with all due respect to the author. I think she's an incredibly talented writer, but I felt like I was swimming in adjective soup and I hated it. But once the stories, once I got to the Bluebeard story, I started to like really enjoy it a ton more, obviously because of her Jungian training. Like I, I would never have pulled those things from it. So I'm starting to like dig it more than my original super anti take on the first time we spoke about it. That first part was hard for me too. It was like a couple of weeks and I was like, oh my God, I just, I, I hope the whole book isn't like this. <laughs> it was so dense, but sure. Like once the story started, like the, the doll in the pocket one. Oh I yeah. Like. I love that. I love that. And I'm like, okay, I can get into this maybe. Yeah. I love the <laughs> stories. Kara, like yeah. Kara was like, okay, so you can't handle it. And I was about to quit and we came up, I think she mentioned last time with a game plan. So I just kind of started reading the stories and then I was like, I liked it a lot more. But that's so I you. That's so I you though, love. right, Leah? Yeah, you don't want to be like told a, yeah. what to do. And we just came up, read those little stories and come up with the meaning on your own. And it did. It provided a crack on the witness. It totally worked for me, yeah. I would love to see a book that is just the stories. So when you're done reading this book, you can just go and read the stories and be like, oh yeah, this story, without having to go through the five or 600 pages. I also started, that's how I got, I wasn't into it at all. And I went and actually just read the stories and then went back. Like I haven't read the whole thing. I've just read the first bit, but I started reading just the stories and then went back and started reading the analysis. Is that the word? <laughs> yes, analysis. Yeah. What about you, Kim? Have you been able to crack into the book or is too much life interruption happening? So I was opposite to what you guys are describing, but I'm also seeing that I may come around to being back in line. Like, so the stories, I agree, they got me, but they didn't keep me. But now that I'm considering it while you guys discuss it, I think it was the analysis that lost me because the analysis is like, beating you over the head like I like it's the I understand what she's saying I get it I agree even but I'm like stop saying it now stop telling me for 25 more pages I'd like to go to the next story so I was like super inspired by the stories even I was like this is the same as like this tarot card and oh yeah and I loved that doll in the pocket one too I was like that is so amazing and that's just such a beautiful way to capture like that gift that the mother gave or whatever right it spoke to me. It's weird. Like it spoke to me through all my feelings and I didn't need so many words. The words are then, then that actually changed the feelings. So I had all these very positive feelings. I had this like soul level understanding specifically of that doll in the pocket story and it was good. And then the, the bringing it out to the surface of dissection and analysis started to leave a bad taste in my mouth. 
And then I was like, now I like now I don't like this story anymore, even though I do like the story. But because the story extended into an analysis. So and I, then I was going to say, like, there should be two books, the stories and then the companion book with if you wish to hear my analysis. But Lindsay makes a very valid point. You could just read it that way. It doesn't need to be two books. You could just treat it as if it were two books. And so I'm not sure how this plays. But as you know, I was like, I'm not finishing it. So then I went back and I did like a personal journal and I was like, okay, I'll try. Ugly Duckling's next, whatever. Sarah said, you know, yeah. And Sarah was like, tried like just opening it, like whatever. But um, life and motivation are conspiring against me to really ever open this book. I've carried it around with me places, but I still have not yet cracked it again. So I, that's what I was going to say. There are like, I have a friend, that's how she reads it. She literally looks, opens it, looks for a story and is like, okay, this is what I think I need to read right now. And then also me finding me reading it a second time. What I'm doing now is like, cause sometimes what she does when she analyzes it, she, like Leah said, like she, picks up parts I wouldn't even have thought that was symbolic of anything. But she's already noted that type of symbolism in some other part. And I'm like, I get it. This story has that symbolism. We, do we have to say every tiny minute? But I get it because if that's what she does for a living is look for these tiny little bits of symbolism. Do you mean she just wants to show you this could also be the symbol of and this and this and this is, but reading it the second time, I just skip it. I was like, oh yeah. She said that was a symbolism that, that, like, so I'm just kind of, I'm not like reading every sentence. So, cause she, I already know she's going to bring it back up on this other little part. Like I know that she's saying it, the story. So I kind of just skip through it. So it's a little bit faster. Also, there is, there is an audiobook that isn't the whole book. So it's a condensed version of the book. So it's the stories and a condensed analysis of the stories, but not the whole thing. Because one of the book groups I follow, that's what someone said. She said she wishes there was actually a book that matched the audiobook because it is not so all engrossing. I wonder if the audiobook is the uh, outcome of the feedback that we kind of generally as a sextet, what are we? A sextet? A sextet? <laughs> Okay, so as a sextet, we, you know, generally agree, even though like we love it, like some people love it, they still think it's too much whatever. I wonder if that audio file came out as a response, because I know that in public, there's a theme on the criticism around the, I don't know, wordiness or whatever you want to describe her analysis as that is turning people off. Best word is minutia. That is her, right? The minutia. Ah, it is. <laughs> she just like everything's just so detailed. It's like sex cat. Yeah, not spelled S I X. Not a six full blown S E X. Sex Yeah. So a sex Just saying. Is it T I T? So it's literally. Well, club doesn't pull in the the fans. We got options, girls. This interruption is brought to you by Unpublished. Do you want to know more about the members and Book Interrupted? Go behind the scenes? Visit our website at www.bookinterrupted.com. Book Interrupted. Does anybody else hear like intermittent like music? Like do Yeah, like I hear drums. It's Josh because we have oh. a moment and so he's using his free time to drum loudly in the garage. 
gosh. Of course. Of course. Of course. Okay. I just want to read it was Your me. Your soundtrack. Yeah. So yeah. Very... The, well, it's, there's a little bit tribal. Yeah. It's a little bit yeah. of a tribal theme. I was hoping you couldn't hear it. I was watching my mic levels to see if they were picking it up. Nope. Oh. It's coming. <laughs> <laughs> Book interrupted. Actually, that's a good segue to how music relates to the women who run with the wolves. Oh, very good. Isn't that right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I found an article on pitchfork.com and it was an interview with a musician called Kelly Lee Owens about her 2020 released album called Inner Song. So Owens describes women who run with the wolves as her Bible. And she has a song in there specifically inspired by the word rewild from Estes. And so the word is meant to mean to rewild the spirit after trauma. And it's, um, the music genre has been described as dream pop. And I don't know if you're into electronic music, but it's quite good. It, it's on the playlist. It's on the playlist. It is. Yes, rewild. It's the like only electronic song on there. But it's very, um, I understand why it's called dream pop because it's very like- I like it. It feels like, like it. a dreamscape. When talking about Estes's book, she brings up the idea that when the creative life dies, the soul dies. And this really informs her work. And she actually, Owens lives this truth as well because she was, she started a career as an auxiliary nurse and she left that career to pursue music, her creative outlet. Right, so this article really got me to thinking about how music affects me. And uh, since becoming a mom, I kind of uh, stopped doing those things that are my creative outlets. I have a lot of creative hobbies. I love music. I play all, I dabble in a whole bunch of instruments. So the Bluebeard book has like a story in it about this woman who goes to Chicago and then she marries the perfect husband and moves in perfect farmhouse and have the perfect amount of kids and blah, blah, blah. But she never does this trip to Chicago anymore where she wears these fancy clothes and this big hat and window shops. And then one day she like cleans her kitchen floor and blows her brain out with a shotgun. And I was like, when I listened to KJ's playlist pick, Florence and the Machine, one of the lyrics is basically like something like uh, happiness. What was a happiness was like a bullet in the back or something like that. And, but that's, I felt like it's so related to the book so much because it made me think of that little sub story within the Bluebeard story about how it's like the killing of the soul. If you, cause she never had time once she was living this perfect life to do the thing that actually made her happy. Do you know what I mean? So, right, and I think music is a really great way for people to express how, or at least connect to like, even if you're not doing creative things in your life, hearing the music of people being like, when you do these things that are like on a train track in life, then you're you're going towards like the death of your soul. And do you really wanna end up like that? It is, I, I feel like, yeah, yeah, it's like so many things to unpack here. Absolutely. It's um, like not only is music like a vibrational frequency thing that's happening, but I think it is also an invitation to remember I have a rhythm. Oh, yeah, I have my own unique rhythm. And sometimes it changes and the song changes, you know, and it's, it's all those little things in life that as we start to get more and more into our adulting, 
And it's very much what our next book starts to touch upon. It's like we think that because we have a life that we're supposed to be saying, oh, I'm grateful for it. I'm thankful for it. That is somehow supposed to be enough. But we, if we keep dying the slow death of not making those moments to listen to music, whatever shits and giggles, fill in the blank thing you want to do, by not choosing to do those little things, that is essentially the fullness of life. So by not choosing to do them or to be like, oh, it's not that big a deal if I just like sit and get to like write my music, because in the bigger scheme of things, you're like, well, I have a roof on my head and like so-and-so is fed and they're looked after and all that. But it is those little things that we do need. It's the easily dismissible items are in fact the absolute items that we need to make time for. Otherwise, it is a slippery slope and you find yourself like that woman that you described, Sarah one day being like, I have a good enough life. So why the fuck do I have this gun barrel pointed at myself? Right? It's because it's not a full life. You're not actually living. Karen, I were talking yesterday that uh, like when you read this book, and I think um, our next choice, which this is like two books back to back of same energy. I haven't started the next book. But this book is like, whew, it's like this this whole process if we keep reading books like this is gonna end in like divorced women's book club i think we're all hetero here um at least some, <laughs> some of the time or at least now and um they like, like oh my god it just makes me grumpy at my husband this book makes me mad at him it's so Real funny grumpy the playlist i've been listening to the playlist a lot and then realized that sometimes I would get super grumpy and like snap a little comment being like, I don't understand why this is my job. And then I was like, oh, maybe listen. So my other playlist, because I'm kind of like hopeless romantic type, my other playlist is all kind of like romantic -y, like Yeah, songs. maybe a good balance. So, so then <laughs> so I'm like, I do. I don't listen. want to, we're still yeah. the same. Okay, yeah. yeah, you can't be listening no to way. like, it's shit, all female like, artists, like just, I'm a strong ass bitch. <laughs> Yeah, and then and like, the all, like over and over and expect to like go home and be like you do the dishes motherfucker <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorites is that i just want to recommend before we move on is fiona apple's album fetch the bolt cutters and the whole album is fabulous and um in her own words she this is how she describes what fetch the bolt cutters means she says, it's about breaking out of whatever prison you've allowed yourself to live in, whether you built that prison for yourself or whether it was built around you and you just accepted it. And I think this is kind of what Women Who Run With The Wolves is about. Like we either imprison ourselves or we just accept the world that's been set up for us. And you just can't be happy when you're imprisoned. It's time to break out. Yeah, like I think that, so it's hard for me because having read ahead into other stories, this, I'll just like, spoiler alert, this is a theme. <laughs> so anyway, that's what I've been waiting to say as well is the Women Who Run With Wolves is essentially inviting women to reconnect with their wild, which is also saying... We obviously live in a patriarchy, and so certain rules, gender norms, have been established. So what the book invites you to do is question those norms. And what Meredith was just saying about uh, Fiona Apples is the same message. Whether you're in a cage that you made yourself, 
Perhaps you're following whatever you've interpreted to be the rules towards a successful life. Like I have this house, I have this husband, I have this family. And then you blow your brains out because you don't go to Chicago anymore in your fancy dress. Or because you're doing all the pink jobs because you've been put in the cage of woman. And that's what woman does. And that cage was built by the patriarchy. Whichever your story is, the women who run with the wolves invite you to question just exactly what role you wish to play and um, remind you or attempt to anyways awaken within you the memory that you are like natural and what you what your desires are regardless of what forces outside of yourself say your internal desires are valid and um, you don't have to explain or justify or silence um instincts that come from within you that point you towards things and i think it resonates with all of us at that level because we being women all on some level experience some version of a cage so i think it it relates to to how impactful this book is to the reader because some readers and there's cages for men too right it's not just women and oh poor us like society has generated these cages and so It's all about whether you allow yourself to stay in it. And when you're a reader who isn't, hasn't yet um, been awoken to the ability to question the cage, right? Like some people are just good, right? They're just well be like, and that's the other thing too, the society teaches you. Do well, be good, you know, achieve. Be nice. Yes, all of these things, right? And so you're doing a good job, supposedly. You're doing a good job, but by whose standards? And then... That's what happens to people who end up depressed or lost or confused is that they are like, well, I don't understand what I'm doing wrong. I'm doing everything right. But you have to ask by whose standards. And so this book lifts a veil that's like, you can choose your standards. And if nobody else likes them, it doesn't even matter. Like you can decide. So some people are like, wow, and they're like, yeah, and they're like released from their cage because they didn't even know it was there and they love it. And other people are like, yeah, I freaking knew it or whatever, because they maybe had an inkling or already questioned some things or whatever. (laughs) And then still others are like, duh, welcome to the club, Clarissa. Like, I already knew. (laughs) I do my own thing or whatever, right? So I think that kind of informs people's response to this book about where they are in their lives. Yeah, it really does. I feel like it not only is an invitation or a permission slip being like, yeah, you're in a cage in some way or form. But I feel like she does more than that. I feel like she ushers or tries to navigate that journey of fetching the bolt cutters to saying, and by the way, that journey is an inside job. Do you get what I mean? I feel like she's not just saying, are you aware that there may be cages? She's saying to find those cages, it's an inside job. And she To find the keys, to find the exactly, keys to the cage. And she invites you to jump into the deep dark abyss. The journey. This is where we're going. Mm. I think there's like kind of an irony here too, because uh, one of the things that, that turns me off about the book is specifically that it's for women. It's like women who run with the wolves and all this stuff. And I uh, don't like to be put into a box. I've never really... I don't know if I like being in the woman category, not because I don't like women, but honestly, when I'm filling out like a form and it says male or female, I often tick the wrong one. And I'm like, oh, shoot. Like I have to specifically think about it. And I think 
This book is good for anybody. Like you don't have to conform to the stereotype that you're in. In a way, it's a little bit outdated in the idea that um, we aren't just about our sex, that gender and sex are different. I don't know. In that way, it kind of turns me off. And that's kind of the irony of the book too, is that somebody who might be considered already a wild woman might uh, not accept the label of wild woman. They're like, yeah, don't put me in that box. I'm just living my own reality. I don't want to be categorized. You're you going to so Although, love the next book in the lineup, by the way. It was literally so written for it's you. It's so good. <laughs> um, the next there. book is good. <laughs> So I was, I, uh, I agree with you totally. I, one of my big points that I've written in all my journals is this feels super outdated to me. I feel like the definition of feminism and ma feminism and masculinism, no, I don't know. Anyways, you know, uh, feminine and masculine. and masculinity. Yes, there we go. Yeah. That's where I'm going. Um, it feels really outdated to me. I feel like we, you know, but it was written in 1992. So we have changed a lot in our views of the way that people fit into some sort of category or if you have to. And I had a quote from Clarissa Pinkola Estes, who in uh, Emma Watson's uh, book club, she, um, that was part of uh, her digital feminist book club in 2017, because uh, they were interviewing, sorry, Estes, and they asked where this book, uh, how it holds for trans or non-binary people. And uh, Estes replied, there is not, as far as I know, and I have over my lifetime consulted with myriad crones, hobbits, fairies, gnomes, and leprechauns, any final saying so about what is a woman. And that was in 2017. So I think that's really interesting that, you know, even the author realizes that, you know, her maybe definition in 1992 when that was normal to be more of a feminine role and a masculine role and that you'd fit into one of those categories has adapted, but that you can still find that in this book. Yeah, because I think the message, while it is delivered in this uh, kind of binary way, the ultimate message isn't like men versus women or masculine versus feminine. I feel like it's like people versus society. And I know that society is made up of all these people, but like it's society. Nature versus domestication. It's, that's a very good way. Yes. Right. Very good. Very good. And yeah. and it's a good it's a good story told through the woman man binary, at least back in ninety two, because if you were to examine it at a core level, men have been encouraged in instinctual ways. It's been a traditionally masculine uh feature, and women have been encouraged to silence their instincts because our instincts as humans either tread on what's already been assigned to men or do not serve as well in our roles as what has been defined as what women should do, right? Like, I think that it's delivered in that way because we represent a good example of how much nature has been dampened for us to call ourselves women. And so she wants to, I think, redefine women but that doesn't, not to the exclusion of other people who identify in different ways, but in this book specifically, she's looking at women and redefining them almost as humans, or at least as natural beings, and uh, questioning, oh, are these things that you've been told are bad, actually bad, or are they natural? And it's that awareness that helps you embrace yourself, however you identify. 
it's embracing the fact that your natural inclinations are more informed to what's right for you than what whoever on the outside is telling you. Mm -hmm. Than the structures and mechanisms of our right, society. Right. Yeah. Which happens. Which forces which... that disconnect between you and your true self. Correct. Yes. And whoever and that's you, whatever part of your why sex you is. feel like, why does my life feel like shit if everything, if I have the white picket fence? Yeah. It's because you're I did so right. disconnected from you. Yeah. Right. Got your it. natural self as a human, whatever that is for you. It's kind of like also like. It's almost like society um, pressures people to keep their um, natural or instinctual selves, like their secret selves, like keep it to yourself. Do you know what I mean? Like, or people just protect that. Like, I think that's what ends up happening when you finally connect with people in your life. You connect because you're giving them the little secrets that you don't necessarily tell the bigger society because maybe they wouldn't approve. Yeah, you're good or you're right? bad. And the same yeah. thing applies you're to men. You're not fitting in. Men right? aren't allowed to be sensitive, yes. right? Definitely. So Can't that cry. would be a version of a man getting in touch with his natural instincts. If you're sad, it's okay to cry because we are emotional beings. But, you know, in society, that's weird. Or that's, you know what I mean? You'd it would be interesting to see a, a similar book that's like four men yeah. Yeah. being like, yeah. it's okay to have more than two emotions, which are just like, you know, in general, Anger. men are allowed to be either happy Angry. or mad. Yeah. Or Those are the only two yeah. that they're allowed oh. to be patriarchy. <laughs> okay, don't forget, don't forget about horny. <laughs> that might be a great idea for um, doing uh, another, like when we add it. Uh, more books to do a really male perspective book choice would be probably a great idea. That would be great. Or to get yeah. a man's perspective, even just on the message. Well, we have the fan books. Then um, we have, we have found a fan actually who's a male. Perfect. Um, but maybe we pick, but his book isn't necessarily. I mean, he can't be representative book. of all males. Otherwise right, we're that's right what back I'm saying. we started. <laughs> that's his what I'm name saying. is Jesus. We have, <laughs> we have one man and we'll ask him all of the questions we wonder about yeah. the men. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's not like a male's, per like the book he would like to read is not. I yeah, it's not on this topic. No, but it would be interesting to find one. So Yeah, for there. sure. Yeah, I want to learn more about the conditioning of the male species. It would be nice if we could get a really honest one. Because like, as you generate these questions, I think about answers. But they're from my perspective, which is obviously I'm not anyways genetically a man. I can imagine them being like, oh, yeah, it's cool. Like, I maybe would like permission to be sensitive sometimes, but all the rest of the stuff is generally in my favor. So I don't really seek so to I'm break any put cages. Up with this. Yeah. My cage is like a fucking mansion with a jacuzzi and a six-pack and a lady that cleans up after me, so... You know. I think there's a little bit of pressure too on men to, to be aggressive and stuff, and not all people want to be yeah aggressive. Yeah, to get things done or to have their you know, voice heard. Yeah, to have their voice heard. It's true. I think yeah. it's also different where where you live, first of all, um, Toronto versus a smaller town. And also, I mean, Laird's in theater and grew up, you know, he's a lighting designer, my partner, and he is super sensitive. He cries more movies than I do. He, you know, when he's sad, he cries. When he's, you know, he takes time for himself. He does all those things. And I think that that was taught through 
you know, through the theater process of showing your emotion through, you know, he grew up in, in Montreal in Quebec. And that's, I think that in Quebec, oftentimes males are more comfortable with their emotions and, you know, and being in Toronto, I feel like, I don't know. I don't know what you guys think, but I think, I think you make, I love it. I think because, yeah, I was going to say, I think it kind of boils down to um, what's valued and we can make uh, broad uh, statements about men and women, but Lindsay with her partner offers an example of someone who was brought up through theater and in theater being able to emote is valued. And so Laird experienced success by, by showing that because I think as humans, we generally strive for, I don't know, approval, um, maybe just to fit in. Like there's certain things because of the way that we're such we need connection, right? And so the way that we connect is is in some of these ways, right? So I think it boils down to what's valued. And that's why you can't say everyone's everything. But when you do make generalizations, you know, certain patterns appear. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Book Interrupted. If you'd like to see the video highlights from this episode, please go to our YouTube channel, Book Interrupted. You can also find our videos on www.bookinterrupted.com. Moments you can look forward to on next week's Book Interrupted. She is, you know, you're precious. <laughs> it's really effing hard to be a mom. Your children are acting out. She wants to look like a bald man, so she just cuts it all on the top. And a little bit on the <laughs> side. Sometimes I'm confused when I look in the mirror and I don't see Claudia Schiffer because in my mind, she's right here, y'all. Book Interrupted.